What is up? I am Miguel Antonio, and this is the Live and Create Podcast. It's where I interview artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. On today's episode, we have singer-songwriter David Luther. David just released his newest single, Home to Kansas City, earlier this year. He has several more releases planned, including The World's Gonna Change, a collaboration with Academy Award and Golden Globe winner Tom Whitlock. David shares his powerful story of overcoming his addiction to alcohol and how that journey allowed him to enter back into the music world. We talked about concepts of collaboration and the power of community in the arts, and he leaves us with his thought of giving to others instead of constantly looking for what others can bring to you. It's going to be a great episode. You guys enjoy. And I do just want to take a moment and apologize. The audio on my end, it was it was pretty messed up. I didn't realize that one of my mics had died uh, during it. And so I apologize. I'll make sure I fix that in the future. But nonetheless, uh, don't let that stand in, uh, in the way of David's powerful story. I hope you guys enjoy. Thank you. The Live and Create Podcast. That's awesome, man. Well, uh, you know, just diving in, I, I hope to get to a lot of things. I, I, I think there'll, there'll be some cool stuff to jump into your time in Nashville, uh, your, you moving to Kansas city, the, the, you seem to have a passion and a love for Kansas city and for the artists here. I hope to dive into that. You're, you're a single dad in the music industry. I'd love to talk about that. Uh, but one thing I realized going through your Instagram is you and I have something in common, maybe that not everyone's experience is, is you uh -huh. and I both know what it's like to, to, uh, bust your hand open, bleed all over your guitar during yes. a show. And I did this in Florida. It was like halfway through a, a gig and, and I, I got really excited slant. I had this red hollow body. Luckily it was red. So that helped me out a little <laughs> bit, but I, I slammed into it, just sliced my finger open. I'm bleeding right? all over. And I finished the whole thing, like trying to wrap it up, keep going. Yes. But I mean, there's blood on the stage and it's anyways, that's my story, but you have a, a fun little story, but you didn't have a red guitar either, but it was a little redder well, afterwards. Anyways, I'll let you tell it. it. Yeah, nothing feels more rock and roll. It. Uh, um, <laughs> I was with David George and a Crooked Mile, and we were opening for um, Wayland and Aaron Lewis. And um, nice game. I, I think, um, yeah, right. And <laughs> so we. Um, it was at Brockfest, I think. And, and I can't remember exactly where it was, but, uh, you know, Midwest everywhere, nowhere. And, um, no wait, well, it was near Chicago. That's right. Of course. Um, cause the night before we played this like punk club in Chicago and cause I remember <laughs> I got up to the microphone. And I was like, I, I was like, this microphone smells so bad. I was oh, like, God. I can't. I'm like, is there, is there another microphone? I mean, this thing's you know, it's really bad. And like, yeah, it's, it's it's a punk club, dude, or whatever. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. You know, get with it. You're like, it's it, it's cool. I'm cool. We're cool. Let's just do it. <laughs> it so it's like, yeah, it's like doing playing a, a gig in your dirty underwear. You know, whatever. anyway. Um, but I'm playing, and um, I have this callus, and you know, usually get them on, on these fingers, but this weird callus on my finger here that starts to kind of come up, come up and play. And we get through that and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll super glue it down before the next thing. Well, I forget. And so we get out there and we have about a 10 song set and um, it was about the second song and it just rips clean off. And <sighs> I think there's a picture of just shows it. And so in blood, 
is just like splattering. I'm going through picks like mm. nobody's business. It's just like all over the front it's of the guitar <laughs> and just jamming it out. Made it through the whole set, you know, out of picks and um, like a professional. You just keep right? leading. You keep playing. That show is going to go on. That's right. And I'm thinking this is going to be so cool. This really hurts. This really hurts. And, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was all I had just gotten that acoustic and it was just splattered all over the front. And um, I, you know, after, of course, taking, you know, important pictures, I cleaned <laughs> off the front, but even still, I can look in the bridge work and there's blood splatter, you know, on the inside. So it's a uh, cus custom yeah, paint job that you got right off the bat. That's right. That's right. Mind and well done it. to you to keep playing, man. That's like all those. There's so many things I'm sure we could swap so many stories of the dumb shit that happens on stage where you wish you could stop, but you just can't. And you have to keep you pushing through. Stop. Uh -uh. No, it was, uh, um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. I was just worried the, the picks kept slipping out of my finger because the blood was all over them. And anyway, so you said you were out in East Tennessee, you were going out to Nashville recording what now East Tennessee. Is that like, uh, like, Severo, how close is that to like Gatlinburg, Knoxville? Okay. Yeah. Knoxville. I, we had, we stopped out there. We had an agent in Knoxville, uh, for a while and then played out in Johnson city, um, mm -hmm. out there. Did you get out to Asheville a whole lot? North Carolina? I no, um, I had friends out there, but, um, drove through it once or twice, but most of my, um, most of my focus focus was in Nashville music right. wise. I, <clears throat> I have family in, uh, in Gatlinburg, which is about an hour east of Knoxville. Okay. Nice. And so I've been going up there for years and um, they, they make belts. I'm wearing one. But, uh, I well done. Cool. Product placement. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, they've been making belts back there in the craft center for like 40 years or something. And so wow. I moved up there and uh, was going back and forth to Nashville. It was about three and a half hour drive. Yeah, and, that's not bad though, and no, it's it a beautiful bad. countryside to be driving through too. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's beautiful. I um, uh, I would crash with a friend of mine, Mark Pataccia, who was an engineer at Blackbird Studio. We're up there, and and um, didn't get it recorded Blackbird, um, unfortunately, but uh, no did get it, it, and that was just that was pretty amazing. You know, it's a, that's awesome, man. So, what are the things? What are some of the takeaways? Like you know, obviously you, you eventually left Tennessee, you live in Kansas city. Now this is, this is home for you, but what are some of the takeaways that, that uh, you have from your time recording and writing in Nashville? Well, um, my first takeaway is I didn't know what the hell I was doing. You know, I didn't have really a model much. I had a few, um, friends there, uh, Matthew Perriman Jones and, uh, Nielsen Hubbard had produced, um, a bunch of his stuff and I just loved it. And I had gotten in touch with him and uh, that's when we did the first EP there. But <clears throat> the, my takeaway <laughs> number one is uh, have more of a plan. If you're going to go into <laughs> the place where it's all happening, have more of a plan. And um, yeah, that, that was I love the that. <laughs> 
And all too often musicians and artists, we, what makes, I think, artists and musicians so great is their ability to like go off in these different, you know, rabbit trails in some regard. But I love that you said, like, you got to have a plan if you're going to step out and, and do this thing. Like, what's your goal? What's your purpose? Uh, where? What was it that uh, led you to pack up, move to Kansas City and call Kansas City home? Um, I, I got contacted um, by a producer who was working it with, <clears throat> with a guy named Tom Whitlock in Springfield, Missouri. Okay. And Tom has, um, he's known for writing like, uh, take my breath away, uh, danger zone. Remember top gun and yeah, yeah all these eighties <laughs> that, hits. And, that's a pretty epic song. Right. That's pretty epic. <clears throat> and, um, so they were interested in doing something with me and, um, nice. that was pretty exciting. So I came down, oh, yeah. I, um, went down to Springfield and uh, recorded a few, got to write, write a song with, um, sorry, I, I'm going to turn off my, for some reason I've got, um, I think if I turn off, do, turn on, do, do not disturb, people can't call me, right? Oh, yeah, that should work. Um, boom, we're in. Boom. We're back. So I got, I really, I was really excited about writing a song with, with Tom and um, I, I'd come up with this song um, and left it with them. And, and so we got to work on this the song became the world's going to change, which mm -hmm. we're recording. I've recorded several times, but not released at all. And, um, but we're planning on releasing this, this uh, in the next few months or so. Nice. Um, but yeah. So anyway, I, I did that. And then we had more of a plan and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you figure was start in Kansas city, a little stronger than in Nashville, right? Yeah. Like let, let's draw a few things right. out. Well, I was, I wasn't moving yet, but you know, just okay. in talks about what the plan was with it. And, um, there was some, uh, they had some connections at Epic records and there was some talk about that. And, um, a lot of talk, a lot of talk in the music industry. This business has so much talk, so much. Talk. So much. <laughs> and, but it made more sense for me to be um, closer. And I had family had, here in Kansas City. And so we ultimately ended up moving back to Kansas City. And then I was going back and forth from Springfield to Kansas City. And um, right around that same time, I, I went through a divorce. Um, divorce uh, we were married about 10 years and i had two we had two boys and so when we divorced obviously you have different households and you know right. kids so it just became home this is where my my kids are and you know um you can't make a necessarily make a unilateral decision to uproot to somewhere else but it seemed as good a place as any and um the the project in uh springfield um there were some issues that uh, aside from me and it, it just ended up not really kind of panning out the way that, that we had planned. And um, th at that point I was kind of, I kind of, I stepped away from doing music and it was just okay. kind of a rough time going through a divorce, trying to figure out what's next. And um, so How I long ago was that, that was about eight ish years ago, eight years ago. Okay. Just try to get an yeah. idea of the timeline there. Right. And that's some one thing I was thinking about in, in preparing to talk to you. It was like, you know, I'm really bad at timelines and dates and stuff in years. 
but I have a kind of, I know what things happened before each other. So I at least have that. <laughs> it's all good. It was, it was more uh, just a, from a personal standpoint, wanting to, to understand it. I, I won't be handing out, you know, worksheets or anyone for, for the podcast. <laughs> so you're good to go. You just, okay. you meander where you want to go, my friend. <laughs> uh, and are we rolling into it? All right. Like we're, we are. I sometimes okay. I sometimes it just starts in a place, and I once you okay. started going, I was like, "Hey, let's yeah. just just let's just keep going." Yeah. I, I like what I it is. It. <laughs> um. So, uh, yeah that that happened. It, it was it was a pretty it was a pretty rough time. I'll be honest, personally, and okay. um, musically, I had felt like I had just been you know throwing punches at the sea for so long. And, and it was just, I just didn't have anything left. And so, um, and Get then, that, so that at feeling, that point, definitely. you know, I, I maintained relationship with Tom and, um, you know, the songs were still there, but, uh, then after that, I, um, I met a guy named Oscar Rivas, who, um, is a, is a Kansas city oh, oh, is, was a Kansas city based, um, engineer player songwriter stuff like that and started working on on some stuff and it was it's been a really slow crawl um mm-hmm. to the point where we are today you know uh, of projects in the works personal you know insanity and um well, and that's a lot to take, like moving, you know, uh, divorce, uh, being separate. You know, I have four boys and I can only imagine how hard that would be. We actually have a, a blended family as well. My two oldest are my stepsons. Uh, and so we, we, we know that kind of co-parenting world as well. And so, yeah, that's a, that's a lot to figure out, especially while trying to build something in this really, really tough industry. Uh, right. Yeah, that's a lot to put on. When, when you kind of, when you gave up, or not gave up, but like when you just put the music on hold, how long of a period was it uh, for you? And then what was it that ultimately, what, was there a person that came along and said, Hey, you need to get your ass back in there. Uh, or was it something internally? Uh, what was it that motivated you to start that slow crawl back uh, to the music world? Um, well, it, along the way, I, I'd also been doing social work, um, I okay. you know, have uh, degrees in that, that field and I've been doing social work to, you know, make ends meet all that yeah. time. And during the time, it's like, I was still playing, um, writing a little bit, but the idea of, it's just always kind of back in my mind of, you know, this is who I am, what I want to be, but still really just kind of disillusioned um, with it not really knowing what to do. But it was really um, when, uh, well, I guess really when when David George asked me to uh, join Crooked Mile, and, which we have, you know, a mutual friend and Ben Byard, Baird, Byard, Baird, Byard, 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 you know, <laughs> who was also in that. And, yeah, those are uh, two great dudes right there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, very well put. Um and uh, so joining that and, and just learning the songs, just singing back up and, and doing acoustic um, just really felt good. It's like, yeah, this is this makes sense. And getting to know getting to know David George was a real eye opener on on, you know, the ins and outs of really what it takes and what you need to do to 
um, make it a career to make a living at it, you know, dispelling these fancy ideas of right place, right time and all that kind of bullshit. Right. And, um, yeah. And he's definitely done that, that whole road of, of touring was John Fogarty and, and mm-hmm. with the stuff he's doing with, uh, out in New York with, uh, the show that he had, like, yeah. yeah, he's, he knows the ins and outs and the pains and the joys. That's what a, That's uh, it sounds like a good friend and a good mentor during that season for you. It really was. And, um, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was eye opening, and it, it definitely fueled my desire to, um, you know, to really get, not let it go and to, you know, not let the passion and, and, and the, you know, my dreams I've had go. And, um, <clears throat> but then I, during that time leading up to it, um, you know, I, I dealt with a lot of personal, personal struggle. Um, uh, drinking was a big problem for me. Mm-hmm. And about two and a half years ago, I finally, you know, I finally faced my, you know, demons and, and, and quit drinking and, and, um, so completely sober at this point then quit. Yeah. I haven't, uh, it's been like two and a half, not two and a half. I get a little ahead of myself, but uh, (laughs) two and a bit years, um, since I, um, quit drinking and, and, um, you know, I went through treatment. I, you know, got into recovery and, um, that road, I mean, that road of, you know, self-realization and personal growth, that is really what changed my life and what opened up my, you know, my vision to really embracing who I am in, in music mm-hmm. and in writing. And um, it was so... You know, that was, that was a really, that was a really intricate thing. So the person that I really met that changed my life was myself, finally, you know. That's cool. It's Do like, you feel, uh, well, in this, the, it's interesting that, so the topic of drinking, the, the podcast that just dropped this, this podcast will, we're having this interview, but this will drop in like four weeks. But the one that just dropped like a day ago was with this guy named Rusty, who did the tour life thing and with the drinking and binging every single night thing, and talked about his journey towards health and, and how it transformed him. Uh, there was even someone at the gym today that told me they listened to that podcast and he was sharing about how alcohol had become such a crutch in his life. And I was kind of sharing where I had to, for, for me, it wasn't a complete going completely sober, but I had to figure out how to rein that shit in, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because it starts to cloud so many things. Uh, yeah. But here you are seeing like, like it's completely hindering from me from being myself. It sounds like. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's really the difference, you know, between, you know, an alcoholic and, you know, someone who drinks too much. It's like the yeah. ability to rein it in. I don't have that. Just know? not even it's, there. It's not there. And, you know, it's in learning why, you know, things that, and I think it's important to talk about it and not be, mm-hmm. you know, not be ashamed of it because, you know, it's, it's a disease and, you know, learning things like the fact that alcohol metabolizes differently in my body than it does other people. Interesting. You know, I wasn't even familiar with that. I know it's, it's an interesting thing. I, when I found out, it was, it's, I guess it metabolizes slower. And so when it hangs around, in your body, it turns into acetone and it, that creates a physical craving for more. And so it's like, you would have this. And so understanding that aspect and then understanding, you know, the, 
um, the mental obsession with that type of thing, it, it, it's just, it's what, you know, led me into, you know, recovery and, and, and working through, uh, personal stuff because the, the problem was never drinking. The problem, the problem was being sober all the time, you know, having right. to learn well, ways and I to think about the times that I, I drink sometimes just to try to forget like the things that I'm dealing with when in reality, you know, it's like, we have to dredge up some of that shit and really wrestle it out. That's huge. It's yeah. It's, it's really, honestly, that's my biggest passion is that, you know, self you know, development and growth and, because it's fueled everything else. And right. um, when the... Now for you, was it A, did you do AA or was there something else that that uh, you did to to get sober? What did that look like? AA was what, where, where I went. And um, I had friends and, and relatives that had been successful in that. And it's, it's where I met uh, one of my close friends who um, I talked with, you know, about every other day. And and, um, just really led me to, um, yeah, it was, it was through that, that program for sure. You know, I can't say enough nice. about it. And I was in about a year until I really got more serious about, you know, it's because it becomes less about the substance and more about, you know, what do I want out of life and how nice. do I get this out of life? And so it's, you start to go through the path of, you know, of working through your shit and, and um growing and then once you start experiencing breakthroughs and things like wow this is awesome this is a whole new way of living and led me to when um you know when quarantine happened um i was still doing social work and kind of burning out is difficult and then quarantine happened and um i was working from home like a lot of people Mm -hmm. and um it was, it was tough. It was tough. It would bring out a lot of my personal uh, character defects or flaws, like organization, things like that. And <laughs> became increasingly difficult. And so it was about that time where, oddly enough, I, I decided that it was, this is just not, I, mean, I, I really want to embrace who I am and, and what I'm doing. And, and it was really in a conversation with a friend, um, Jacob Lawrence, who um, has really kind of walked with me in some of this self-awareness and consciousness, um, conscious, whatever you can say, I can't remember, um, in this path. And we were having a conversation. I was talking about, you know, what I was going to do next. And he's always been very inspiring. And we were in a band together back in Topeka many lifetimes ago. And, um, he, he just, he said something to me along the lines of you, just need just need to embrace who you are and do what you're meant to do and not worry as, as much about the rest of it and it's a hard thing to do with responsibilities i've got two kids you know things like that right. and you know is this the time to step out and just do music you know quarantine just happened and and right. so but it it was as much about embracing that as it was embracing myself and what i felt like i was you know meant to do and um, so it was about that time that that I decided that was what I was going to do and um, didn't know exactly how. Uh, I had uh, become really close with James Carter, who started You Found Music. Right. Uh, we'll know him as Sarge. And 
he he and I got really close and he's he's become not only a, just an amazing friend but <clears throat> a great help in in doing um uh, getting things on track with with music as he has been for a lot of people around here and right uh, and so around that time my sister actually um who's a uh, a business owner um approached me about doing um kind of financing uh a music project and also writing a um, a song to help launch one of her new products and things like that. And so I was like, yeah, this sounds great. You know, let's do that. And, um, and uh, so that was scheduled. We went down to Branson. We had some, um, it actually ended up being the producer that I had worked on in, in Springfield with, we had reconnected and excuse me. And he was going to produce it. And so we went down there, worked out songs and stuff like that. Went through the whole process and um, ended up with some good stuff. And, but, um, you know, it was a little bit delayed in it. And in, in the meantime of waiting for that thing to be finalized, I had, uh, um, I just had the idea of, you know what, I, I think I want David George to produce uh, the song Kansas City that I'd written. And um, so I just went to him with that. And that is what has, that's what's changed things for me. It was, it was a big deal. Um, David George is, I mean, he's a fantastic you know, player, rock and roller, writer and all these things. Um, but I don't know how much he'd actually sat in the producer chair for right. that uh, before, but as we got into it and he, his thoughts and his direction, um, I, I realized how much of an untapped skill that he had in a, and just a gift of being able to um guide me in a direction and we just completely rethought the entire song um to hear it so in a way it it's like your your journey was bringing something out in him as well helping him take a whole new step too i think so too and i absolutely and that process of him uh you know rethinking that entire song like if if you listen to the first version of it and what it is now home to Kansas city. It's, it's completely, there's just a huge difference. It was a, that's what's so fun about the process. You know, it's like you yeah. bring it to other people, bring it to a band or bring it to a producer and how they can just take your initial idea and then expand it in ways. Oh, I, I get excited yeah. about that kind of stuff. I, I I'm going in, I'm going in the studio next Wednesday and I can't wait. Uh, Matt Richards, uh, Avenue record company. I'm going to, we're going to sit down work on some stuff. And I'm like, I haven't done this in forever. So I, I'm pumped. So that's, I know that's cool, man, it's, that you guys have it's that. The best. It's great. And, and I, um, and you never quite know, you know, until you, you get into it, you know, how it's going to be. And I was so pleasantly surprised each, each step along the way. It was like, where, um, you know, and it, it takes a willingness from the artist, you know, to be able to be willing to something that I've been playing for, ye you know, a couple years at this point to be, a, you know, allow it to get chopped up. And it's like to really go in and say, what I really want is for this to be everything it can be. And, mm -hmm for that to be possible, you have to be willing to sacrifice whatever. And, um, what was cool about it is that, you know, it's, 
you're not, it's not like, oh, whatever, you know, I'll let it all go and get rid of anything just to have a successful song. Not about that. It's like, there's something core and real about this. And that is what I want to be expressed in the best way possible. And if that means- How do you magnify those things, right? Right. And if that means reinventing the, the, the verses and changing things from- um, it was interesting. I was listening to one of one of your other podcasts. Uh, it may have been uh, Keenan that I Keelan. Yeah, Keelan Donovan. <laughs> I knew I was going to say that wrong. That. It's all um, good. It's I'm all good. good. That was a great interview, and um, I think it was him who was talking about changing things. You know, more regional or specific, uh, like street names, to something that can be a little bit more universally felt. Yeah, where and, each person can find themselves in it. Right. And so that stuff like that, little things, and then just the approach itself to it. Um, After seeing what it was funny, he sent me the first demo when he'd been working on it. And I'm I'm in my car and I, I plug it in and I'm listening to it. And, and um, you hear it in the first, when the first, when it first drops, you know, home to Kansas City and it it comes in and the horns stuff. I remember when I first heard it, I had the feeling that I had when I'd written it, that I'd never been able, I'd never heard, I'd never experienced when it came out, even in, in the, um, you know, productions that I've, you know, done before or things like that. It was just like, Oh my God, you know, it's something that I don't have the ability to do. You know, I'm I'm very limited in, in that. And um, that's when you know you have a good partnership, man. That's, yeah. that's, it makes me, I smile. I'm smiling so big right now <laughs> with those on the podcast, obviously can't see it, but uh, it's be, I remember there's a track called I need a light that I'm getting ready to re-release. Uh, it was with my free, previous band. I'm going to put it out as a solo person, but I, it was an acoustic thing. I sent to the producer I was working with a dude named Josh Gleave out in Nashville and uh, he said he was walking his dog and just reviewing songs I was sending him. And he's like, I ran back home and I did this. And he sent it to me. And it was, it was like the moment I heard, I was like, that's what it's always should have been. That's exactly yeah. what it always should have been. And that's when it's right. like, okay, let's do this thing. Right. It, it's, it's a, it was a phenomenal thing to experience that. And it's when, and all along the way, the entire process, and then working with, with um, Pat Tomac, um, you know, if the Rainmakers and he's been around here for, for forever. And um, David has been working with him for a long time. And the way that they could just hammer the things out, I knew it was going to get done. You know, I knew it was going to get done. And, you know, because he just gets shit done. And it's great. <laughs> I really wanted to experience that part of the uh, process as well. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's sometimes for those who are listening and you're not a musician, uh, sometimes in this world, there's people who just don't get shit done. And it'll be like four years later, you're like, hey, remember that thing? OK, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, when you're not doing it all yourself and can't, um, it's it's really an amazing thing to have that, you know, that quality. And so, so you know, the further we went into that and did it and then we did the video which was uh, just David and I and an iPhone and uh, That's awesome. uh, a friend that had a drone for the last shot where it swoops up and, you know, we were real excited and really proud of it. And, and it's uh, obviously, you know, it's, it's opened, you know, some doors and some more awareness of music. And um, it's That's funny awesome. though. So, you know, you go through this, this whole push of releasing and promoting all this and, and all that and, pushing it and then you'll talk to like a buddy and it's like oh you got a new single out 
It's like, <laughs> yeah, man. You're like, do you never check Facebook? What the hell? Are you not on my email list? Like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> and I, you know, it makes you, I look at myself and I'm like, I clearly haven't done enough. So I better get back at it. <laughs> Got to keep doing it. Keep it. Well, one thing it. I hear in your story is how powerful all the relationships you have are. And, and it's what I love about this podcast too, is learning about different people's relationships and how they they've helped them and how it's not just, well, kind of reach rewind. Like sometimes, sometimes artists can get in this mindset. I meet somebody and they're my next ticket or my, it's almost like you're using people to get somewhere where I hear in your stories, like these are, are true friends and people that you love doing life with people that have inspired you, challenged you, uh, and now helping you make your creative endeavors come alive, which is, is so cool to hear. And I was reading in one of your previous interviews, you talked a lot about the passion you have for Kansas city and for the artists that are here. And I'm, I'm curious for you, as you look at all these relationships, you look at all these people you've had the chance to work with, probably people that you're hoping to work with. What, what do you see when you look at Kansas city, the the landscape of musicians and artists, what do you see for the future of Kansas city? I see uh, honestly, it's endless possibility. It's um, and you said it right there. It's, it's the relationship. It's when it's, it's got to stop being about me and what I can become you know, and what I can make and what I can get. And when it becomes more about the experience of what can we create together, then that's when the magic happens. And, and, and um, you know, I experienced that with James just in, just in his, honestly, that it just opened me up so much to his passion for, and you found music for just promoting each other. What can I do to be of help to this other person in there yeah. and what they're doing. And along that way, I find myself and, and it's that, that's the thing. And, um, in experiencing that with him, just in talking about where music's going, what, what we can be doing. Um, and then experiencing, you know, David George's and, and Pat Tomek's generosity and, in working on home to Kansas city and um, they're also helping me with, uh, we're going to do a full length EP, full length EP. That's a hilarious full length, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> full length EP, whole thing. Um, but, the whole uh, shorter version of the, even <laughs> uh, a couple of the tracks that we did in Branson. Um, I just decided that with the way that home to Kansas city went, it's like, this is what I, this is who I want on the, on these songs. This is where I can see these things be everything they're meant to be. And that's the whole point. And, um, but those collaborations, the generosity of not just, it's gotta, it's gotta be more than about me. It's gotta be about us. And, and when, when that's the mentality, things just change. And awesome. they happen better. It opens the flow, you know, of creativity and possibility. And um, yeah, I'm I'm excited. Like uh, I've got uh, a few different collaborations going on. Um, one I'm really excited about. I'm writing a duet with Kristen Hamilton, um, who's with Lost Cowgirl Records. Oh, and, okay. right on. Those groups and. Uh, she's just fantastic. And we did a song I'll to check twice. her out. That's I'm not, I'm not familiar with her stuff. So I'll have to check it out. It's, it's, it's really cool. Cause you know, if you're just open and you want to be a part of, of community, if you want to be a part of music community and you're in Kansas city, it's here. 
I mean, there are people that are open, they want to work, they want to have fun, create together, and um, you'll gravitate. That's the thing. You you gravitate people that have the same energy as you. And um, I was doing a, a song swap. Jenna Ray does this song swap at uh, um, Old Shawnee Pizza in Lenexa. I believe it's Thursday nights. And so I was doing a song swap with Kristen Hamilton. And just fell in love with her voice. She's got a great voice and her songwriting's fantastic. And um, I'd been wanting to write a duet for a while. And uh, so we just pitched the idea at each other, working on a duet. And so we'd started that a few weeks ago. And it's just, it's going really well. It's really exciting. And that's awesome. Um, uh, Buck, uh, Buck from Eula, the, the clothing store in uh, Westwood. Westwood clothing interior design okay. they seem uh, like there's so but, many things i still have to learn <laughs> about um, kansas city that well and that's what's so cool is that i keep you know every corner i turn it's like holy crap this oh, is this, going on where this. Is, you know, <laughs> or i'll hear all these different artists i don't even know who they are and, and there's just there's so much that you can continue to experience and and Absolutely. um and but just you know staying in your lane and doing what you're doing and you know, I have to go. Out. I don't have to go out and find all those. People. Oh man, I gotta go get hooked in with them or this or that because that's what's going on. It um, that leaves me dry, you know. Yeah. It, whereas just walking my path and the people that gravitate towards me and I gravitate towards embracing that and what's what's in front of me and what's you know what's the next thing in front of me and um, so like right. Buck, Buck's a, a songwriter and, and a fantastic, amazing guy. He's become one of my closest friends, and um, uh, we're he, he has he has a duet that he had started, and we started working on together, and so got that going on. I'm, I'm just like this is really exciting, and um, and uh, another one I'm excited about is uh, we're in the very beginning stages of collaboration, but the, uh, Alyssa Jefferson. I think I said right. I was wrong. I'm gonna have to have you send me a list afterwards. Like, check out these know, people. Right? Check out these people, man. You got to educate me. I love it. Well, and it's it's really cool because it it keeps <clears throat> me it keeps me accountable to writing too. Because I'll I can mm -hmm. get in these things where I'm doing other stuff and um you know I started writing started writing just journaling that's turned into more and something that you know I maybe see as as um, a book that that might be coming um, at some point. Can't believe I just said that out loud. But um, <laughs> you're like, oh shit, oh shit, I got to do it now, right? And and you know, I've I've become start enjoying that so much that I'll neglect my songwriting, and mm -hmm. so, um, but making the time for that, working with other people helps keep me accountable to work work more. You know, to get in that creative that creative space, and um, and I feel you because I I think especially like I started touring as a solo artist and then the pandemic happens and I, I kind of felt in this little bubble. I actually joined uh, like a musician's mastermind group of some other fellow artists that were that they're like hustling, doing stuff. And one big reason I did it is just because I was like, I feel like I'm in a bubble. I just need people like I need to know every Thursday I'm going to show up to this meeting and yeah and know like i'll feel stupid if i haven't made any progress <laughs> it's That's like right. that. <laughs> and i love that it's good it helps you mm -hmm. know and it's and this is one thing i discovered about myself and and it's it's like uh, i i need some of those 
uh, some of that structure, you know, in my life. It's like, I'll have, right. I'll have my boys for a whole week and then they'll go to their moms for a week. And the week they're with me, it's like refreshes all my structure. And, and it's like, okay, good. You know, this time, okay. It's, it's, you know, we got about an hour of sunlight. Let's go outside and kick the ball around and whatnot. So, you know, having that right. in on those off weeks, you know, I have this, this uh, songwriting session set up. I'm, you know, we're going to go studio prep and, having those things, it helps to keep me accountable because there is prep that has to be involved. And if you're not preparing for it, then those opportunities go away because you nobody wants to show up. It's the third time. You don't have anything. Right. It's like, <laughs> but, uh, are you familiar with Taylor Goldsmith uh, from the band Dawes? Uh, uh, songwriter. Dawes, but not that. Uh, he's, I'm so inspired by the guy, but he was talking about being involved with the basement tapes and uh, I think he was writing with like Marcus Mumford and Rihanna and a few other people. And, and he's like, I came in with like 40 songs ready. Like he had, he like had a chunk of songs, Ray, the dude works. And he said, Marcus Mumford walked in and he was like, Oh, we're supposed to have songs ready. <laughs> but he also said like, the dude is just so brilliant. Like they sat in a room and suddenly he just started like oozing out like greatness. He's like, Oh geez. He's like, I had to work my ass off to get there. This dude's just singing it. But yeah, it, it was cool. Like hearing what you see for the future of like the greatness. And, and I hear the word collaboration popping up so much because my next question was, what do you think it's going to take to get to the thing you see? But it sounds like, you're already living that out is this idea of collaboration. Uh, it inspires me because I, I keep thinking like how, you know, Kansas city is home. And so how do I help encourage folks put one, one piece, you know, for me was like this podcast. Can I help, you know, give a platform to other people as I continue to put, push my own uh, brand and those kind of things. Um, but one thing, uh, and I know time's starting to, for me, I, I got about an hour total, but I wanted to shift gears and talk about like parenting as a single dad and pursuing this music thing as well. What, what do you feel like is maybe one of the challenges and, and kind of maybe one of the unseen uh, blessings uh, for lack of a better word in, in parenting as a single dad you know, obviously mom's still in the picture. You guys are co-parenting and doing those things, but, but you're living this out. What's a challenge and, and what's a thing that's become like a huge blessing uh, as you pursue the music career? Um, well, without a doubt, the biggest blessing as far as parenting in my life is that their mom is just an amazing, wonderful person. And we have um, worked very hard. It was really rough at the, you know, at the end, you know, divorce isn't easy. And, and, mm. um, it was hard for about a, about a year, but we worked really hard to put them first. And we have just a fantastic co-parenting relationship. That's and awesome. I can't say enough about it. And it, you know, having, um, <clears throat> a partner in that, um, who's happy in their life. She's remarried, has a, just a adorable little daughter and, and, she loves, you know, she loves the boys as much as I do and, and um, always puts, you know, them first. And so having that and having her um, as such a great person and mother is, I couldn't say enough. It's definitely the biggest blessing in that. And well, that speaks highly, I think, of, <clears throat> of both of you guys, your own character, because I know so many families that are blended that it's just struggle after struggle even years down the road because uh, like you said it's never easy uh but i think it it's a very unique thing to see those things go well and and yeah kudos to you guys that's 
That's yeah. amazing that you can make that work for yourselves, your own personal sanity, but ultimately for, for your boys. That's cool. Yeah. It's a, it's a big deal. And, um, <clears throat> so having that, and she's very, you know, she's very supportive of, of music and that I, I think the biggest challenge probably is, um, is not, is the uncertainty about how, um, you know, how's this going to work? How, how are, you know, it, at the point when we're, you know, at this point, I'm, you know, we're gearing up, we're, we're doing the, um, the music in the studio, releasing stuff. And we all know what's next, you know, at some point we're looking at live shows and travel and touring right. and you know, one that's, day, that's, one day again. <laughs> right. And so, but ultimately that's where, um, you know, it's, it's one, it's certainly an element that's important. I, I, I very much am interested in, in um, getting more, more involved in, in music placement and film and TV and stuff nice. like that, which you can do from where you're at, which is we'll great. Have to talk offline. That's a world that I'm starting to, to dabble in and, and try really, I'm, I'm at a point of becoming a student uh, or being a student in it, but yeah, offline, we'll have to talk some more about that. That's cool. We should definitely do that. I I'm, I'm at the point of still being the hopeful gatherer, you know, of, of things, <laughs> but, um, but as, you know, as a musician, as, um, as you all know, you know, we look at, um, you know, so one of the difficult things is, it's just the unknown of knowing at some point, and preparing for, you know, at some point, if I go on a tour for you know, months at a time, you know, the time that, you know, how, how's that going to work with the time I see my kids, the, um, you know, and um, what's that going to look like? And so I think, I think the hardest part is to balance preparation for that future unknown with what do I need to focus hmm. on now? And um, yeah. letting that. That's huge. Um, unroll as it as it's supposed to because if you spend too much time with anxiety about things you really can't control in the future then you're not going to get anything done right now and so that's that's a huge lesson there though man that damn that's i'm glad even you saying that inspires me because i i tend to get anxious about things <laughs> you know way ahead but like hey what's uh actually as i keep referencing this podcast but the last one i just dropped coach rusty he's like what's your best next step he's actually qu quoting frozen two um <laughs> yeah. but, but you know you can find wisdom anywhere and uh you know what is that best next step and the reality of the road like i i have a friend who was touring uh he he was front of house for a large band just got their first number one hit. And I remember messaging him is right when my band was kind of like going pretty hard too. I messaged him, how many days you've been on the road? And uh, he's like 290. And I was like, Oh shit. Okay. Right. You know? And like, and like this is the road we're trying to go on. And my, I, I shared that with my wife and thinking about like my kids and, and those, those kind of things. But <laughs> in the end, you got to figure out, like right now you have to write songs, right? Right now you have to build those relationships right now. You have to, you know, all the real things in front of you. And then you can cross those bridges when they get there. That, and you said it, the, uh, you know, what's the next thing, you know, to do right now. And, and that's a mantra. I mean, in my, in my head, you know, um, there's several phrases and things that I read every day. Um, mm. And that, you know, come my head is, you know, if I have anxiety about something or whatever, I just, you know, stop, and, you know, what's, what's the next right thing to do and, mm. um, focus on, on that. And, um, that's good. And yeah, that's, so I, you know, the, the thing that is, 
my, my boys are 12 and 13. And so they're getting um, a little bit older. And, and so I'm, I think probably as parenting, the number one thing is that my kids have to be a number, they have to be number one to me. And I want that. And that's my heart. And this is also my passion and who I am and what I'm supposed to do. And um, it's as important for me to be there, you know, to talk about, you know, school and sex and things and whatever and, and knowing yourself and no, don't do that. But yeah, maybe try this or whatever, you know, right. as them seeing me being true to who I am and following my dream, because they're going to have dreams too. Absolutely. You know, and so them seeing that, you know, being, uh, seeing that. And so that's important. So it brings me around to one thing that I, it's just a core, that's a core belief is that, you know, these, these are things that I'm meant to be a father. I'm, I am, and I'm meant to be a good father. And so I will be. And, you know, I, I'm something in me drives towards music and I'm, I'm meant to perform and write these songs and be out of, out there in a way that I will be. And whatever that is, I'm probably can't see it all. And if I saw it all, I probably would go somewhere else. But I'm seeing, <laughs> I can see enough of where enough of how to get there because by what's next in front of me. And so if I keep my focus on that, then that's what's going to lead me to um, to getting there. Ultimately, you know, we think about the visions that we have. You know, we have visions for things. And um, one thing I gained from from uh, a documentary it was that that Beyond the Secret. I don't know if you watched it. Probably yeah, I've never seen that one. One thing they talk about is um, you, know, you visualize the end goal, and you know you visualize yourself in the you know in the first person, you know actually doing the thing that you see yourself doing, but then you move towards it in some small way, whatever that is, mm-hmm. and that small step towards it creates the feeling in you, and that creates the synergy in moving towards it, and so that's that neck that step is the next thing. You know, being a good dad is being present right now with them. Mm. You know, me being present with you right here in this podcast is serving everything else. Absolutely. And so that's, you know, I just try to keep recentered at that. But um, and that's uh, meditation has become more and more of a practice uh, for me and focusing on this idea of just being there. Like, and I'm even, I, I do, I swim a lot. And so I've even been trying to incorporate that into my swimming of like almost like a meditative uh, function, even as I'm moving through the water of like just being here because I, I have a million things that I'm thinking about. Yeah. My calendar's filled all the way, honestly, tonight, all the way till like 10 o'clock at night. And so, yeah. <clears throat> but how can I be present here? How huge, man. And it's, it's, it's just good. It's, it's encouraging even hearing you share. It. It's like reminders that I need every step of the way. So hopefully it's a great reminder to people listening to. That, that, what you just said, the swimming, um, it's, it's really kind of how I found that not in swimming itself, but I, um, I wanted, I started juggling a soccer ball and, um, I learned, I just, I don't know, I wanted to learn it and I put my headphones on and, and listen to some, you know, specific musics and stuff, musics, um, but just being, <laughs> your word smithing, I love it. <laughs> and with, I, I just focus on, you know, juggling this ball. 
And, and with every kick, I would just try to practice on redirecting to be focused on being present, being present, be present. And that just constant redirection to be present. And I would incorporate that with the kids. You know, I'm out there throwing the ball with them. It's like, be here, man, be here. Don't worry about what's next. And the more I redirect and practice that through those, you know, physical things in every day, then I find myself doing it more, you know, in music and, Mm -hmm. and, one of the coolest things that's happened in this past year is when I did <clears throat> through those practices, juggling the ball, playing with my kids or being there. Um, when I get on stage, I'd find myself redirecting myself to be present in that moment. And when that became the focus there, I, I just felt power. I felt connection. I felt energy. And I wasn't watching myself in the crowd plan. I was here doing it. And right. It, um, that was, that was really powerful. And, um, that is huge, man. And I imagine it, I imagine that's when, at least for me, I know some of those experiences, it's like, that's where the stage takes on a whole new meaning. The connection with the audience takes on a whole new meaning in the songs. And yeah, if we could, if we could figure out a way to keep living in, in those moments while chasing the bigger thing, man, that's it. That's huge. Yeah, it. the reader and it's just that constant redirecting myself, and then it just becomes who you are. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So. Well, the uh, last two questions, uh, the Live and Create podcast, ending with those two questions yeah. there. So, how would you define right now in your life? How would you define living a great life? Uh, living a great life, um, knowing yourself, being honest with yourself, and having a about who you are. I think that's really important. Living a great life for me, what in my experience is having a flow through me mentality rather than a flow to me mentality. You know, mm-hmm. when, when my mind is on how can I be of help to others? You know, it's, it's the image of a water going through a hose. You know, if water's running through a hose, the inside of the hose is always always saturated, always gets what it needs. And if the more that I'm focused on how I can be of service to others, the, um, the more I experience joy and, and, uh, and, and a great life. So that's awesome. Having it, what what did you say? Having it flow to me instead of coming to me, you said it better. Have a flow through me mentality rather than a flow to me mentality. Have a flow through me rather than a flow, flow through, through me. Dude, rather than me. <laughs> I like. I probably keep messing it up. I'll just have to go re-listen to it. But that's that's great, man. I, I love that perspective. And so the last question: uh, How would you define currently in your life uh, creating great things? Oh man, <clears throat> um, creating great things. It it's. I think it's being willing to risk, being willing to risk, um, creating good, great things is, it's one and the same with the flow through me. It's, you know, how can I, God, it's so good. I thought about this, but it, and it really has to do with, <laughs> with other people and great, great things, great creativity, great art is when you're open and you're willing to, you know, willing to allow someone else into the space too, willing to put it out there, willing to make mistakes, um, creating great things just requires being present and being willing and open, I think. 
It's awesome. I love it. It sounds like you're living it out, man. And dude, thanks for uh, taking the time. Thanks for sharing your story. It's cool to hear how like you battling your own demons and coming out the other side. And now you're, you're trying to, you know, flow things out to other people. And it's cool to see, let everyone know how they can uh, connect with you, how they can find you got your, your single out right now. You're going to have more songs coming out in the following year. For sure. Yeah. Well, and I also want to say thank you so much. I'm, I'm honored to be on it. I've, um, I've listened to other interviews and I'm, I'm hooked. This incredible conversation thank you, man. I love the stuff that comes up. <laughs> I loved what you said at one point when you said, you know, how do you combine your music with, you know, community, community outreach and, and community you know, awareness. And mm. um, I think it was something like that. And I love that, you know, the ideas that thank are coming from this, I really hope that people keep, keep listening to it. Um, David, uh, the David Luther.com. There's a saxophone player in New York that has David Luther and, so that's David. No shit. He actually, I actually, I was looking for your email to contact you, and I accidentally emailed him when we were trying to figure out details. And he's like, "Hey, just FYI, that's not me." Yeah. <laughs> so I, have, I, I am now connected to the other David Luther out there. Well, I had a week overlap in my URL purchase, like re-upping it, oh, and in that week man. he snagged it, and I was like, "Oh, dude, son of a bitch." So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a drink. Um, but yeah. Anyways, uh, back back to how they can connect with you uh, and your music. <laughs> David Luther across the board um, website, Facebook, Instagram, all the all those places, um, and uh, yeah, thedavidluther.com connect you anywhere. And yeah, you found music. Boom. Thank you for listening to the Live and Create podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe and leave a comment or a review. The Live and Create Podcast.